Face Off Podcast, a podcast where the movies of John Travolta face off with the movies of Nicolas Cage until we watch the movie Face Off. I'm Erin Hennessy. And I'm Jess McBride. And we will be your guides along this journey through Rydell... <laughs> through the Rydell highs of Travolta and the LA valleys of Cage. This is our fourth episode, and it's all about teenagers who don't belong together, but get together anyway. As you do. Jess, why don't you tell us about Grease? I'm sure a lot of people know about Grease, but let's tell them anyway. Grease is one of the more famous movies of this whole project, I would say. So Grease was released in um, 1978. It is a musical, which is, is it the only musical of our, of our I believe it is. Okay. I think, yeah. The, the Lone Musical. It was Lone directed musical. by Randall Kleiser, and John Travolta stars in this film with Olivia Newton-John, along with mm-hmm. a fistful of other talented actors, including, man, just blanked on her name. Uh, uh, Stalker Channing. Stalker Channing of yeah. the West Wing, which of I'm currently watching West Wing. through. And <gasps> when I you saw, are? yes, and when I saw her, I just had no idea. Like I, you know, I'm I'm listening to the West Wing Weekly, and they never have mentioned the fact that the first lady has also been Rizzo in Greece, which I feel like is <laughs> So the budget for this movie was a very very low six million dollars. Maybe is also that might possibly be the lowest budget of our canon as well. A lot of superlatives here. That's actually very true. I didn't even think, well, we've done so many action movies. I feel like action movies have much higher. Oh yeah. No, that definitely. I mean, I think action movies do have enormous budgets and music. It's also, it is the oldest. (laughs) It's the oldest movie. So, I mean, proportionately, I don't know, but yeah, still so much lower. It brought in a, an amazing $395 million in box office returns, which is the highest that we've got seen yet in, in our projects to date. I have a note. Henry Winkler was considered for the main role, but turned it down because he was afraid of being typecast. Aaron, who is Henry Winkler? Oh my gosh, Jessica! I know. He's I, the Fonz! Hey, sit on it, you know? Did you ever watch Happy Days? No. I'm a um, pop, no, okay, I'm a pop okay. derelict. I'm going to put this in, in terms you can understand. Um, have you seen Arrested Development? I know yeah. you have because we've watched it together. He plays the lawyer. Oh, so, no. yeah. Oh, that's Henry Winkler. I know. That's Henry Winkler. But when he was really young, his first, like, really big role was the Fonz. And he was really fearful. So so Fonz is very much Danny Zugo. Like he he wears like a leather jacket. He's he like scares all the other characters. I mean, he like intimidates <laughs> the other boys. Yeah. He he does like his kind of notorious thing that he says is sit on it. He um <laughs> have you ever do. heard the phrase jump, jumping the shark? Yeah. Did So that phrase comes from Happy Days. Yeah, because there's an episode towards the end of the show where he jumps a shark like he uh on water skis and so the phrase come uh jumping the shark comes from that because it kind of signals like doing something too big and extreme and the show actually declined after they did this huge thing oh shoot um isn't that crazy um anyway yeah i liked i like this note and i yeah it's kind of fun yeah so grease what a fascinating movie to watch in 2018 it really is (laughs) (laughs) So 
Greece plays a significant role in my life because my parents watched a high school production of Greece because it's like this very famous story. Like it's not yeah. an obscure cult following. It's not like this is super edgy and like, I don't know. But my parents, you know, were horrified at the themes that were in it. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't quite map onto their own structures of morality. And so, <laughs> you know, they were kind of horrified at this high school production. And so it was banned in my household. And I think I watched it secretly and did not find anything weird about it. I mean, obviously I was like, oh, this is, these high school kids are crazy. But like, it wasn't something that I really understood. Like, oh so yeah, much this, goes would, over your this head. would lead me astray. And then they, my parents got involved with like opening like a small alternative high school in my town because like, and that, that I went to watching this movie again, I was like interested to see what I thought of it as an adult and it particularly in the, in our age of feminism and me too and all the things. And it's weird. Like it's, <laughs> you know, it does not like, I, I think I'm offended at it for different reasons than my parents, but I'm sort of also kind of like, Oh, this is, this messaging is real weird. You know, just really leaning into stereotypes of men and women and high schoolers and all the things without any sense of like, this is how it is, but it's not great. <laughs> it's like, oh, these kids, you know? So yeah, what about you? Did you grow up with this movie? I did. And here's the interesting thing about me. I mean, I, I had a similar upbringing and it's it's just so interesting to me what my mom saw as or decided was good and bad, like what was passable. And a lot of it depended on what she was being fed or told from different news sources and things. And Greece was not one of those things. Like we, I remember owning it. I think we owned it on VHS. I was obsessed with everything about it. Like I loved it. It was one of my favorite things to watch. And I watched it so much in my, in my teen years um, and just like really obsessed over the soundtrack and all of these things. And so in rewatching it, I was shocked. Like, I mean, I knew as I got older, like, oh, this is something that is like a sexual reference or whatever, but I could not believe how many sexual references there are. And also like how casual, I mean, like you were saying, how casual they are about these dynamics, these yeah. these dynamics yeah. in, in gender. And um, it is kind of a weird time to live in now because there is this tension, I think, with a lot of different things that we grew up with of can I can I still embrace this thing? Can I enjoy it? Can I continue to watch it and support it? And I feel like Greece kind of rides that line on some level, like it would be something maybe I would show my children. But I feel like I'd have to have some conversations there. <laughs> I mean, one of the big themes, I'd say, in the story is um, this idea of kind of changing who you are mm -hmm. um, for another person, which maybe is considered romantic on some level. But mm -hmm. at the end of the movie, I didn't really feel happy for either of them. Like, I couldn't help but think, what's going to happen a couple <laughs> months from now when Sandy's sick of wearing all black and smelling like cigarette smoke, you know? Or will she? Will she just completely embrace this lifestyle? Yeah, and maybe that, that last scene, his transformation into getting a leather jacket and maybe doing a sport of some kind, oh, I guess he does track and field, is not a big change, right? Like, he's just kind of yeah. making some good health decisions. And then Sandy is also not, 
changing a lot about who she is. Like, she's not dropping out of school. She's not making any huge changes except for her time and money investment in her hair and yeah, her clothes. Right. And maybe even, maybe like partly in how she carries herself, right? With like being more powerful and being like, hey, if you want to get with me, it, it, and it maybe it works as the slam bang finish. And maybe that's what it is. Like maybe it's a performance in this Broadway level of reality. And, you know, but they're not talking about like superheroes or fantasy. It's like about teenagers. <laughs> So it is sort of like, well, what are we saying, you know, to people who might be teenagers, who might be young men or women? You know, it's interesting, like you as a case study, I don't see you as like, well, you we watched it so much and now you are like this. Maybe maybe that messaging does somehow go right over our heads as young people, but it is part of the world, right? Like even this fun story is is part of the canon of our mythology of like one way to be happy is to have great fashion what's the matter aren't you happy no not really frenchy but i think i know a way i could be could you help me of course can i come over to your place sure come on let's focus on our you know the topic of our quest podcast john travolta who is undeniably charming in this movie he is. That freaking smile and the dimples. And those short shorts. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. Just, those athletic you know, shorts. Wow. This was definitely a breakout role for him. He was able to use so many tools in his toolbox. Not only his like amazing hair and face, but his dance moves. Very good dancer. Still. Yeah. Like, and really, you know, it's interesting. Like this whole movie is about him being very masculine, particularly it as a front to his like tender affection for this girl but in the and as well as the rest of the guys are pretty like very masculine but then when it's the dance scene they're like doing broadway style dancing Mm -hmm. and they kind of break out into this more feminine these feminine postures and these like you know the vulnerability of that is dancing Mm -hmm. and i thought that was very fun and i think that's part of like the fun mix is like contrasting the hyper masculinity of the gang and the cars and all the things and the treatment of women with these like fun dances and songs. Yeah. So we have this guy who, you know, is part of a gang, has a reputation to uphold, obviously has a reputation. Like Rizzo knows right away. Oh, that's Danny. I got a surprise for you. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sandy. Danny. What What are you doing here? I, I thought you were going back to Australia. We had a change of plans. Okay. <laughs> well, that's cool, baby. I mean, you know how it is. Rocking and rolling. Yet he, like, is so into Sandra D, who is, like, so outside of his normal... His realm. His realm. And so he wants her, but he also wants to maintain his status within his gang hierarchy. And... He tried, you know, as she dates a Tommy, <laughs> that all the rivals are named Tommy in this era, he decides, I am going to outrank Tommy by beating Tommy at his own game, which is sports, which is a very funny montage because it's like all the, all the high schoolers are like mid, mid game 
in what like 10 different sports and he tries to join in and the coach does not give him any instructions i think you're gonna like baseball it's not that much of a contact sport now get in there and let's see what you can do all right Throw the ball. Come on, let's play. Hey, where would you like on, it? Huh? Let's get it up. Right down the Come bike. on, man. Let's pitch this guy out here. Oh, hey, can't this hit. boy can't even bat. Can't even hold a ball. All right. See, I told you, he doesn't even swing. <laughs> what kind of ball player are you? Come on, put it in here, pitcher. Even with the cars, right? Like, they don't fight. They don't do, like, knife fights or fist fights. It's just, like, let's race, and then someone will win the car. <laughs> Because with with the girls in the movie, we see uh, kind of the typical, I mean, just women needing to look beautiful or feeling like they need to sort of look a certain way and bag a guy, right? Mm-hmm. And then we see the the inverse, which is guys, instead of worrying about appearance, they need to have their cars looking good mm-hmm. or they need to have a car. They need to have some some vehicle for transporting these women. That is like the whole the whole goal of this generation or whatever, totally. which I think it is arguably when we come back around to Valley girl, you could say like, this is every generation. Right. But the car is a, a symbol of status as well as a, a tool to like go to interesting places and also to make out in is like a, a thing that I think, yeah, probably every generation since the invention of the car has had, um, and I think it's less in the urban context now. Like, you know, when I was in urban planning school, we talked about how young people are like deferring their driver's license more and more when they live in the city and, you know, opting out of that. But I think largely, especially in the United States, where you need a car to navigate any sort of suburb and even most of our cities, that is, is definitely kind of a key to partnering with a woman and even like in the beginning song on the with the girls there's a girl that chimes in does he have a car at the very beginning we get that theme of like car as power that was also really interesting that song specifically summer nights or summer Eleven. that just like back and forth is so interesting because we have this girl who's talking about what a gentleman this guy is and we have this guy who's talking about essentially like how he took advantage of this girl like the ways that he was able to get with her yes and even like the guys asking you know did she put up a fight did were you able to overpower her to your own advantage and he's like yeah we you know and he obviously is being really vague about it and we don't really know like I mean I think from the beginning it seems like maybe they did just you know kiss and he was a gentleman because I think we want to believe that at heart he is good and you know he respected her over that summer um to you know to to go as far as she wanted to go um but like to his friends he had to maintain his status by like exaggerating or you know kind of implying that he finished the job, as it were. Here's my question to you, because we've we've talked a little bit about Travolta, but as a character, no matter who's playing it, do you like Danny Zuko? Like, is he a likable character? Um... <laughs> for that reason, like for the reasons you're saying right now. Because yeah. my initial response is to say, like, I I I think the only thing that saves that character is that usually it is cast with someone who manages to be charming even though they're kind of gross. Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of a gross character. 
I don't find a lot to love in him and even his his hopelessly it was hopelessly devoted or the you know she he starts making out with her to a point that she does not want to do in the car after she kind of says out loud like oh cool you gave me a ring you respect me kind of saying like oh you're committed to me with this ring and he his he looks crestfallen when she says that that's even before she rejects his advances. He's crestfallen that she mentions respect. And then he, you know, makes a move on her. She says no. And he's like, you hurt me. You did me wrong. I'm so sad, but I love you anyway in, the, in his song. And it's like, whoa, dude. Like, she was not the one that did you wrong. You made a move on her really quickly, like, that she didn't want. And that... I think he is a really uh, sensitive character. You know, he gets really mad and defensive when he fails at all the sports. And he eventually, like, it's like he eventually gets there, right? Like, he eventually stays with the track team, gets the letter jacket. Uh, He eventually is somehow with Sandra D at the end. And they drive into a cloud. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Being a man in America is one of the toughest jobs out there. Don't take it from me. Just ask your hair. First, you're a baby with no hair. Then you have hair that you have to style right. Then you fall in love with an unattainable girl. Then your acting career really takes off. Then you lose your hair again. We can't help with most of these problems, but we really can help with styling your hair. Valley Grease is the finest styling product on the market. Going for a 1950s bad boy vibe? Simple. Just mix some Valley Grease with Vaseline and comb it into your luscious locks. Going for a 1980s bad boy vibe? Easy. Mix some Valley Grease with Elmer's glue and hang upside down until dry. Valley Grease is guaranteed to keep your hair inexplicably styled while speeding in hot rods. It's also sure to catch the eye of the ladies. No clique, social class, or urban region can withstand the allure of Valley Grease. Who needs friendship when they can have a guy with great hair? Unless you don't have hair, in which case Valley Grease can be made into a great scalp moisturizer when mixed with a scalp moisturizer. Check out valleygrease.com for a full line of semi-toxic masculinity grooming products and use the offer code FACEOFF for a free glove box sample of consent cream with a $20 purchase. Valley Grease, we're here. For your hair. Let us transition. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. To Valley Girl. <laughs> it came out in 1983. It was directed by Martha Coolidge, who, that name sounds super familiar, but I don't know where else I've seen her work. I should have looked that up. The co-stars, major co-star is Deborah Foreman, who is like the the love interest. The budget was uh, 350000 so very, very small. Wow. And it made $17.3 million in the box office. I thought a really interesting thing about this movie was that actually, so Martha Coolidge was required uh, to show female breasts in this movie four times. That was the requirement? That was the minimum? That was the requirement because they thought that guys would be more likely to want to see the movie. Wow, we just got that dialed. <laughs> yeah, they there are four sets of boobs in this movie for sure. I can I, I counted. And I don't think it made the movie better. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I'm now trying to remember what they are. They're, oh, okay. I took notes on it. Don't worry. I wrote, I wrote boob sighting <laughs> one, Thank boob you. sighting two. 
and I wrote with the second boob setting, I wrote, I hate the boob agreement because I think it's the dumbest thing ever. But uh, it's very that was a very 80s thing to do. I feel like at the time, like uh, 16 Candles, for example, has the most unnecessary shot of boobs ever in like the first five minutes of the movie. And it's PG. So go figure. Here's the thing about this movie. So this was considered to be uh, Cage's breakout. And um, it's fascinating. It is, and it, and the, the thing is, it, it shares a lot of similar themes to Grease, but I feel like it also communicates them in a more effective way or mm-hmm. something. I don't know what I it agree. is. Because I was watching it, and as I was watching, I was like, I am delighted by this. Like, mm-hmm. I am delighted about everything that's happening in this movie. And, you know, it's, it's about this very superficial subculture but they do it in in such a good way, and hopefully that'll come out as we continue talking about it. Well, yeah, I think one of the differences is that it's a different class, right? Like the the pink ladies and the ugh, what was the guys' gang name? Oh, the T Birds. They they seem to be in the same socioeconomic class, right? And they're not even mm-hmm. different. Like Rizzo's dating Kaniki. It seems like she's probably been with Danny too. Like it seems like they all know each other. It's not like. It's not a total Romeo and Juliet thing, whereas uh, Valley Girl, it's like, you don't fraternize with those other people, right? Like, with the L.A. people. And same, probably same with him, is like, why would you date a Valley Girl? And that's, so, so basically, for people who haven't seen this movie, and by the way, this movie is very difficult to get a hold of, which yes. is super sad and unfortunate. I hope someone eventually picks it up to stream because I was like looking for streaming sites to, you know, to be able to watch this and I ended up having to buy the DVD because you can't even download it digitally. But the premise of the movie is we have this boy who meets this girl, this valley girl, like she's a true valley girl. Um, just this girl who lives in essentially the suburbs of Los Angeles and has this, you know, friend group of girls that are kind of just at the peak of the 80s with like materialism and shopping mm-hmm. and they just love, you know, they all have their little popped collars and specific hairstyles and all of these things. And way of talking, which is really the, the val- yeah. Which is so iconic in this movie. And mm-hmm. I've heard that this movie actually was kind of something that solidified the stereotype mm-hmm. of the Valley Girl speak. But it is, it is insane in this movie. Like the dialogue is so fun to listen to. Okay, so he's awesome. <laughs> You know, save some for the rest of us. I mean, Tommy is such a hunk. I can't stand it. I mean, he is so bitchin'. Like, I can't even believe you'd give Brad the time of day. Yeah, but Tommy could be such a dork, you know? Like, he's got the vibe, but his brains are bad news. Because it's not done in this way that is entirely vapid. Like, they communicate very clearly but it feels like you're listening to a different language almost like yeah. the comparisons and different different vocabulary that they use is hilarious yeah um and you start out this movie seeing you know this girl kind of in her element and then she meets this boy who's a punk and lives in Los Angeles and uh really likes him and is dating him and kind of has this period of time where she's really enjoying being with him but then her friends tell her she can't be with him um, or she shouldn't be with him. And so then she's second guessing her choices and trying to decide if she should be with him or this other, this guy she'd been dating before who's such a loser. Tommy, another Tommy. (laughs) Tommy is such a jerk. It's like I'm totally not in love with you anymore, Tommy. I mean, it's so boring. 
here. Not too cool, Julie. Like, I won't be bummed out. Who else is there? Oh, the Val dude can touch me. I mean, she must be really freaking oh, out. Oh, yeah. Oh, Tommy fully uh, coerces her friend. Her friend? Oh, that's yep. one of the boob shots. You're right. Um, yeah. She's fully drunk. He is is kind of preying upon her in this party. And then she kind of finally realizes, oh, he's he's not really here for me. Yeah. <laughs> he's here for him. Let me get out of here. Also does not talk about it the rest of the movie. Like, I thought that that was going to come back around to be like, listen, this, this happened. happened. He's not a good guy. But that same girl is still advocating for her to get back with Tommy. It's very confusing. But also, I think that's because Tommy kind of manipulated her. And we mm. see that manipulation. Like, he kind of manipulates her into... Even at the end, they, like, make out, right? They're making out at this party because he's trying to get back at Julie. He's making out with Stacy, and he has... That's one of the boob shots. He has her shirt down. And he's, like, grabbing her boob. And then, like, as they stop making out, he basically says something about, like, you know, it's really crappy of you to, like, you know, pray... Like, he says something about basically implying that she's preying upon him oh, yeah. in a time when he's vulnerable. And so I think that's that, like, funny. scares her into this, like, into not Maybe really saying a lot. Maybe I'm a bad friend. Yes, yeah. exactly. And that was also super interesting because it was just interesting to watch that scene because I I do believe I could... It just... It didn't feel like it was something that they were just doing to show sex. Like... I think they were trying to show that male manipulation. Definitely. I don't think this was like a cute, like, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, no. It's kind of like, no, this is a shitty boy. This is what shitty men do. Exactly. And in contrast, we see this boy. I mean, we see, see Randy and he is, he's like a good dude. Like mm -hmm. he, he's, he's not like wealthy and he's kind of grungy and where it has a weird fashion sense and all of these things. And there are things that she's trying to like, like she, maybe she doesn't love about him, but she's able to identify that he's actually a good guy. What are you doing back here? I forgot my comb. Really now? Well, to tell you the truth, I kind of thought that maybe you and I could. Um... We could what? We could get out of here. Like, I don't think you'd be any more welcome down there right now. I mean, let's leave the party. I'm so sure. Kill. I'll meet you out front. Wait a minute. Where are we going to go? I don't care. What are we going to do? Anything. Okay, but I have to bring my best friend. And so I really loved that. I loved, I loved just like that character. He was really subtle. He, he wasn't, Cage like was not full bone Cage in this role. Like he was, he was still kind of like nuanced or like he was, he was just like kind of this like really chill character. 
um, and kind of had this almost like boy next door feel. Yeah. But then it was also really interesting because there were a few scenes where he had to be very emotional Mm -hmm. and he just like cusses and like it gets really angry and shouts. But it doesn't again, it doesn't feel like that that Nick Cage that we see in action movies. It still feels like this very authentic performance from this kid i mean because he was like what 18 or something when they when they yeah shot he was movie. an actual teenager which yeah. is a refreshing change from right not not having 20 somethings play yeah like greece everyone was 30 yeah like exactly they're all so old i mean so rizzo old. really was she was yeah. like 30 when they um but then the other thing that was funny is this movie had such a unique take not only on this this not millennial um gen x they're gen xers right Let's go with that. Yeah. I mean, they're not they're not baby boomers. So, but we have these Gen Xers and they're being raised by these baby boomers, which are questionable baby boomers. They look a little young. Uh, like all of the element. parents. Everyone everyone looked like the same age, which was yeah. 22. Yeah, even exactly. The <laughs> but but it was it was so fun to see cuz like uh specifically Julie's parents, they they're like hippies. They're like yeah. former hippies. And they own this like really healthy, uh, what I is it, Foods so for much. Health. They were yeah. my favorite. They were so funny. And they were they were just like these very accepting baby boomers. They could really see that their daughter was her own person and they wanted her to be her own person. And they were being, they were like living their true lives in the valley, just having this healthy food store. <laughs> and um, one time at one point, Julie says something like, why couldn't they just own a Pizza Hut franchise? And I loved that because that it's also so telling of the different generations. Yeah. I feel like baby boomers were, were kind of at one point, I don't know if they're still doing this, but they were really trying to live this like truth that was different from their parents. And a lot of them did become hippies and kind of go like veer away from suburbs and normalcy and all of these different things. And then we see this, this generation of kids from the eighties that are fully embracing normalcy and, you know, like having credit cards and the materialism and all these things, but they're coexisting together kind of like the parents are trying to understand the children and so that was a really fun like subplot to watch in the story. And as as uh, as Julie is struggling to decide if she should date Randy or Tommy, her dad's kind of like trying to give the best advice he can, but also just like letting her make her mistakes. And she does mm-hmm. make mistakes. I feel like every scene in this was so silly and, and it, it commented on something. I, I really genuinely was just like, so happy to watch this movie (laughs) I don't know yeah well what did you think we didn't really talk about background but I feel like neither of us this was I don't feel like this was ever on my radar anyone in our generation has seen this (laughs) no it's it's it is a really it's a deep track and it's um it but it is so fun the costuming is really fun uh they have a beach scene and their bathing suits are really cool there's a real contrast between like the preppiness of the valley girls and and guys and then the the punks the punks of LA and like I loved seeing LA in the the early 80s like going down Sunset Strip I yeah like I loved I loved all of that so yeah definitely had not seen it but I thought it was it was zany for sure there's something like there the storytelling was a little bit untraditional (laughs) yeah you know there's like a side story with a mom and a teenager having 
well, an almost affair, I guess, because he mm-hmm. ends up just sleeping with the daughter on accident, but on purpose. Which, yeah, I mean, is that just like a little vignette that she wanted to throw in? Like, that didn't contribute to the Randy Julie story at all. You know, kind of going back to what kind of man is Nick Cage portraying, I think that, you know, he's definitely emphasizing authenticity of himself. You know, he doesn't become another person for Mm -hmm. her, right? And she doesn't really become another person for him. I think they, like, there's, I'm, I'm trying to think if this is true, but I don't think there's any sort of costume changing or, like, I'm going to dress differently for you. I no. guess he puts on a, a suit. He's, still, to, he's to... still punk, though. He just has, like, a cool suit. Exactly, yeah. So, like, I, that, I think that's great, and I think that goes along with what the dad encouraged her, is that, like, be yourself, and that doesn't have to be incompatible with a different person. Mm-hmm. You know, like you don't have to change your appearance, and and if your friends are not cool with who you are, then that's probably a good indicator that they're not great friends for you. <laughs> you know, and if that if they don't like your chosen romantic partner because he's different too, screw them. Like, be yourself authentically and make your authentic you know relationships based on that. And I think you know him seeking these authentic experiences instead of like you know he isn't materialistic he's very much experiential right like he goes to mm-hmm. um i love the the like bar band <laughs> that they have so good you know he has this like hook up with a girl in a bathroom like you know is that authentic i don't know maybe it is <laughs> but he i think he's authentically feeling his his grief over break uh, over the breakup Mm -hmm. and he's he's self-medicating but he's at least he's not like well she doesn't matter because she's a valley girl and she's stupid i'm i'm great you know it's like he was like no i really loved her and i i'm expressing expressing my grief in these ways that may not be healthy but (laughs) but i'm like feeling it i'm feeling that emotion you know and then coming back to you know, win her over through violence. Classic. <laughs> through violence and like dressing up incognito. It's true. And radio dedications. There he like went oh, really I hard. I love that montage of like he was yeah. the driving guy and like <laughs> And Tommy never notices. He's Tommy. like he's he's like, wanna take my ticket? You know, and like you're just like, come on. It's like so cute though. Maybe there could be a movie of the two Tommies from Greece and from Valley Girl meeting be... in college and having an affair with each other. In different eras. Rydal High Tommy could be an older Gray Fox and Oh boy. <laughs> and young LA Oh <laughs> young my LA... god. Oh no not LA yeah young Valley Tommy could seduce this older only, only slightly older. <laughs> only a little bit. Um, one other thing. Okay, so fun. I I don't know how much. I I can't. I have to imagine that the graduate did really influence uh, Martha Coolidge because I know it influenced the so the end shot where they leave the prom right. Ah, 
um, and point. they sit in the car. Yeah. I know that was like kind of like paying tribute to the end of the graduate yeah. um, in the back of the bus. But then also I was thinking about it and that whole like subplot of the stepmom and the, the boy where they're like on the verge of having an affair, that felt very just, it, it very was also graduate. kind of just channeling yeah. the graduate in that way. I, I mean, this this film obviously was a much smaller budget. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like, I, I don't know, it just had a very, like, artsy, art house kind of vibe going on. There was a lot of, like, color play. Yeah. Um, that, like you were saying, there's, there's a lot of really beautiful shots of Los Angeles. I feel like they really do a good job of capturing, like, even the contrast between L.A. and the Valley. Like, I feel like everything in L.A. was very colorful. Everything um not in LA was very like muted and pastel Mm -hmm. um so like those elements of the storytelling itself were just super fun too I think Nicolas Cage did a great job in this role I don't know maybe if maybe if they had brought in like Robert Downey Jr I would feel differently like I'd be like no Robert Downey would be like way better but I'm sure there are people that would have been better for this part but I do think yeah I really ultimately I really enjoyed this we should go on to our superficial objectifyingly speaking. Yes. Um, oh man, this is a perfect. I know it's for so this. good. This is like the the most fun we're gonna have doing this segment. So we better enjoy it. I mean, um, these were two great costuming efforts for Travolta and Cage. Travolta, you know, pretty much all black, skin tight, and. Did you see the when when the Grease Lightning song was going and they go into the alternate reality? He he has like studs on his shirt, he, so his clothes were essentially the same for the whole movie, but were very spot on for like just cool, very sleek. Yeah, like cool fifties dude, and and also loved the PE scenes where like oh yeah, apparently the coach made him change into all of these outfits. You know, it's like, where are these clothes coming from? <laughs> like sweatsuit. Hilarious. Cage, you know, his clothes are very cool. I'm trying uh, to, I was trying to like really remember, like on the cover of Valley Girl, they have the iconic, like he's wearing like a tie and a vest, vest and with no shirt. No shirt. Yeah. But he does wear a lot of red and black. He, his hair looks amazing. Like it is, it's kind of like pre-mullet, like it's kind of long in the back. And he spikes it up sometimes, and it just looks so good. He wears a little America pin. I saw that. A little, I little American that, flag. I don't know if that was ironic, or it's like, we love the American flag. I don't know. They're patriots. Yeah, I don't know. Apparently. I feel like um, it would be anti-American, but this, it's okay. This also is a great hair movie for Nicolas Cage, who, you know, who suffers the fate of probably most men and losing hair. hair for some evolutionary reason that doesn't make sense to me, but the hair was very full. It was very tall and fluffy, very punk. Cage is on point in this movie. Yeah. Um, as is, I mean, Travolta is on point as well. I feel like Travolta is maybe more predictably on point. Like, all the time i yeah. don't know i don't know i don't, well, I think, I don't that think his that... i think that his facial features like his and his expressions and his general verve does a lot of the work he is very flirtatious in almost any movie he's in of like being very like 
bewitching. And so I think his I think his hair and sometimes his clothing keeps up with that, but I think it's like his general demeanor that is the sexiest part. Whereas Cage, I think his whole thing is that he's really approachable. <laughs> As you were talking, I was thinking, I was like, what does that mean for Cage then? Like I don't know what <laughs> what he brings to the table but i love it i really love it i love love it that's why he's nicholas cage and you know so it's like he's this kind of dopey boy next door that you know depending on the movie like gets the girl or solves the crime or does the thing and i don't think his his physical appearance like his his hair and clothing like are a part of or maybe yeah maybe they just they stay out of the way instead of like you know with John Travolta his wardrobe keeps up with him so which one would you go for which one would you take to the ride all high oh who would I date yeah I've been thinking about it a lot actually I would definitely go to the dance with Randy he's just like the best (laughs) he's pretty great I think I am somehow attracted to the bad boy vibe, and I think I would take. I think I would take uh, Danny. <laughs> you take Danny. Yeah, oh my gosh. I think I would, and I would make him dance all the dances. See, no, hits. but here's the thing, Jessica. This comes back to the fact that I think you're just really enamored with John Travolta's dancing. Like you love That's his part dancing. Of it. That's part of it. I mean, which men among us can move their hips in such a fashion? Even though Danny, he doesn't seem like a crazy intellect. I feel like he would be better at, like, banter and having fun on the date. Whereas, like, Randy sometimes seems like he's kind of off in no, no man's land in his, in his brain. Like, he's stoned or something. And I'm like, but, you know, there's, there's sparks of, of real energy. Yeah. But sometimes I'm like, what are you thinking about right now? Seem like, but anyway. but it's not about thinking; it's about being. That's, well, I like that's that why just... I struggle with those people. <laughs> we have to discuss the winner of the face-off, and I, I... <laughs> do. I have an answer. I don't know. You guys oh, take no, your hand off know. your mouth. Oh, we definitely know. Covering... Oh, we know. Okay, I know. I know. I've thought about this, and this has been like agony for me. It's been truly difficult because I'm dealing with this burden of nostalgia. And this feeling of, like, I'm letting a lot of people down if I make this choice. Yeah. Um, because I want... And so instinctively, I want to choose Greece, But I felt so much better when I was watching Valley Girl. Like, the entire time. And I'm going to rewatch it and see if it holds up as I, as I watch it more. Because now I own it on DVD, by the way. Yes. We need um, to watch it together. We should definitely watch it together. I'm, I'm going to make the call and say, for me, I... The winner is Nicolas Cage. I'm going I, to concur. Yeah. Because, um, first of all, as wacky as the messaging is, that I feel like the storytelling was better in Valley Girl as far as like, here's how humanity should be. Or like, here's, here's, some, here's a good lesson to learn. You know, be yourself. Go out and get what you want. And don't feel like you have to change yourself to do it. So I love that. And I love that this movie got made in general. You know, like I love that there's this Romeo and Juliet based on the 
kind of classes of LA, which is, it's still a thing where it's like LA versus the Valley, like central mm-hmm. LA versus the Valley. Um, it's, it's kind of different now because there are parts of the Valley that are very wealthy, but then there are parts of the Valley that are just, they're not as desirable to live in. And so they're mm-hmm. actually lower income. Um, and same with LA, like there's some really sketchy parts of central LA but now there's some like very, very high end parts of LA. So it doesn't necessarily map anymore. But I think that classism in urban life is, will always be a thing. And I think, you know, I like that they tackled that. I thought maybe we would, we would be split or something, but I, I'm Not glad today. we arrived at that. Not today. Maybe another day. Maybe next time. What's going on in your life, Jess? Is there anything you want to share? Do you have a peach? This is sort of a, this is just more of a shout out of appreciation to first responders. Mm. Um, right now, California is on fire and including my neighborhood and not my neighborhood, my region. Close to you. Yeah. Actually the Valley. Part oh of no. It. Yeah. And, and I think, and we had a, we had a shooting as well very recently in which a first responder did respond within minutes and got shot as a consequence. And so I think, I don't know, it's made me really thoughtful about like these people who have, for whatever reason, have signed up to like, if there's danger, I'm going right away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's my job is to like stop the danger. And, you know, first responders, there's a, there's definitely problematic people who are in those positions sometimes and that's not great and we're really grappling with that these days but I think on balance it's a really tough job and I yeah I want to give a shout out to our first responders what about you what's your peach or shout I'm gonna out? swing I'm gonna swing the other way great uh <laughs> pretty far and I just like to give a shout out to lucky chores <laughs> Listen, that's a first responder in many ways. It's really hard to grow up. <laughs> and it's just like hard to Can you eat put soft piano music behind that, this? <laughs> I know, right? I know. This is really emotional. It's just like challenging to eat things and not just feel like you're a bad person if you make wrong choices with food when you're an adult because you're supposed to make adult choices. Um, but I recently had a party for some of my students and it was a cereal party and I just like went to town on the Lucky Charms and they're just like perfect. They're just like what they're what I needed and they have a nice marsh the marshmallows, the way that they crunch is lovely. It's great. The yeah. the textures of the the regular cereal, it's it's kind of like Cheerios but throwing those marshmallows into the mix makes all the difference. It just really adds a lot of fun. To the situation and I'm thankful for Lucky Charms I don't think that they do a lot for your body but they do a lot for your heart so everyone go buy a box of Lucky Charms <laughs> for the next episode we're going to be facing off Travolta's The Forger and Cage's Matchstick Men if I recall this is like two kind of heist movies that involve faking things Either art or papers. (laughs) Art, papers. 
Yeah, no, they're they're I, I saw Matchstick Men ages ago, and so I'm I'm very excited to contrast it with the Forger, which I have not seen. Cool. Well, as per usual, I've not seen either, so Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Face Off Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at faceoffpod or email us suggestions at faceoffpod at gmail.com. We hate to see you go, but we love to watch you.